I'm excited to tell you about a great podcast I can't get enough of with actor and comedian Alec Mappa, along with professional psychotherapist Matthew Dempsey, called Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, Psychotherapist. This laugh out loud podcast explores the pursuit of mental health and wellness in a hilarious and compassionate way. Everyone's trying to survive in a world that's turned upside down. But beneath the surface, we're all a hot mess, and the healing process can trigger intense feelings. In each episode, Alec and Matthew zero in on an issue of the day to compare and despair uncertainties, anxiety of social media, body image, aging in a youth-obsessed culture, and unaddressed conflict that may be holding you back. I'm about to play you a clip of Hot Mess with the world-famous drag queen, star of the hit show Uh Uh-Huh, and host of the podcast The Bald and the Beautiful, Trixie Mattel. The three have a fascinating conversation on the topic of elastic thinking, what exactly it means, and how it can help us to heal. Trixie opens up about her abusive childhood, including the surprising story of where the name Trixie originated. Trixie also opens up about the generational and cultural trauma that impacted her upbringing and about being half Ojibwe while also feeling culturally white. Trixie's raw honesty and biting humor make this episode a must-hear. While you're listening, be sure to follow, subscribe, and review Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Matthew, is there anything that you weren't allowed to do as a kid that you let yourself do now besides have sex with men? <laughs> well, that's the biggest one. That's the biggest he one. He did that as from- a kid. He did that a lot as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, as a, way of, as a way of reparenting yourself. Yeah, um, I would say uh, two things is, is just one that I that there really wasn't my fa- I didn't come from a family that was very emotional or talked about like too, too much and kind of like deep, rich, emotional ways. So that's mm-hmm. kind of why I do what I do and also why I try to put that out there for anybody else who might not have that. And then, yeah, absolutely. Just being gay and not being able to talk about those things. So I do gay therapy and it hits both notes. Talking about elasticity, like I've learned, you know, growing up, someone will be like, I'd have a friend in high school who was like wrecked because her dad yelled at her. And you know, on the mm-hmm. inside, I'm like, give me a break, Mary, like yeah. yelled at you, that's it. Right. And I guess that's when I started to realize it's never like the trauma Olympics. It's never the whose situation is worse because speaking to elasticity, some people don't bounce back the same as other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people maybe don't have the tools or the outlets to sort of like let things pour over in a way that works for them. And for me, I just, I mean, I really just think I've lucked out like, I'm probably a little pricklier than most people. I'm a little harder to get close to maybe, but I think I am lucky that I, I think elasticity is a good word because you can acknowledge times you were stretched or yeah. like that was a tight, you know, but you can also acknowledge that you can bounce back. It goes both ways. It's not about putting a blind spot in your life to everything bad that ever happened to you. Yeah. It's about almost like the universe being big and everyone's problems being real and being tr- being hurt or something bad happened to you, it's not even unique. It's sort of what bonds us all together, you know? My therapist told me, gave me an exercise. He goes, you focus too much on the negative. So anytime you're having fun, I want you to say out loud, this is fun. This is fun. I'm having yeah. fun. This is fun. <laughs> so as a way of focusing so- on the fun. But, but so the next week I came back and he was like, well, how'd it go this week? And I said, um, I said it a lot. And he goes, when did you say it? I said, whenever I was eating. <laughs> this is fun. I'm obsessed with you having sex and going, this is fun. This is fun. This is, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. It's also very like a housewives thing or something to go like to like sit down at brunch and be like, this is fun. 
This is fun. This is fun. <laughs> right, a quick fun. question for you. Rick Santorum uh, got in a trouble on CNN because he said that uh, Christians came to America and there was nothing here except the Native Americans. And, and, and he's like, there's really oh, not I saw. much. I, oh, oh, I yeah. saw. And when he said there wasn't any Native American culture in American culture, I was like, you mean every lake, every state that's named after a Native American tribe? Not The to name many, of yeah, every city. Yeah, yeah, every city. So you're you're Ojibwe, and not too many people know that about you. Yeah. I, yes. Now, how did that culture inform you growing up? Can you tell us a little bit about, about that, the Native American side of you? Well, it's interesting, Alec, because uh, I – I mean, the most anti-racist thing you can do is acknowledge the system. And because my skin is white, I went to Mm -hmm. a white school, white friends. I listen to country music. My favorite show is The Office. Like, I am culturally (laughs) very white. Mm -hmm. And only as an adult did I really maybe start to realize certain things. I mean, a family of alcoholism, a family being dirt poor. This is all part of a system that harmed Native American people. Uh And because my skin is white and I have the fortune, unfortunately, of being treated like a white man in America, only recently I would say with um, talking more to my mom and maybe thinking more about my grandma and I I was just talking to my mom about being Native American and how she feels about it because, you know, spiritually we don't believe the earth is a turtle or the moon is a wolf. I mean, that's all a little hokey pokey for us, but there are certain things about being Native American, good and bad, that we have inherited that we don't really notice. Bad things like, you know, being poor. I mean, being Native American. Ask anybody. Go to the reservation. Yes. It's gorgeous. It's The water is clear. The sun is out. It's a lot of hardcore social problems. Uh And people are basically stuck in the corner of a state and the rest of the world just doesn't look at them. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. The mental problems, the substance abuse, like like a pill. I mean, it's a it's horrible, and it, you don't really realize it because you don't think about it. And um, as a, as a child, though, it was great. I mean, my grandma was you know we had great Native American meals. Whenever there's a lot of things we do include, like in my family, when someone dies, we do certain religious practices at funerals that we still do. But again, we're sort of a half white, half Native American family, so. We'll read the rosary at our funeral, but then when we're burying the casket, we'll throw tobacco on the casket, which is like an Ojibwe thing. So we kind of do a mix. That's awesome. Yeah, I th- I, I, but I like what you were saying also about the fact, obviously, there are certain privileges, you know, passing as white, those kinds of things that you've been able to, you know, have adva- uh, as an advantage. But also the fact that there are still legitimate things as being a part uh, of, you know, like the Native American community and having that be a part of your history and your culture, there's collective trauma. And so, of course, there's obviously systems of oppression that keep certain communities kind of down. And that's kind of, you know, where being poor comes from and, and all the, those kinds of things. But also, energetically speaking, in the ways that that trauma gets passed from generation to generation is a very fucking real thing, too. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we also harbor. And the only way that we can actually you know, be able to kind of like heal from that and process that so we can help break some of that cycle, um, aside from activism, but also the internal work that we can do is by, you know, calling that out and being able to process that in some new ways. Yeah, I mean, I never really thought about it when I was younger. You know, my skin was really fair. I'm not full Native American, but I mean, I remember being in school and I remember people with Native American last names or copper skin being treated certain ways. And I wasn't treated any of those ways. So I hate Mm -hmm. to say it, but like colorism worked in my favor as a child. Yes. Mm Because I had a brown mom, but I was treated like a white kid, Uh which, you know, it's a really weird thing to think about. And when you're young, you don't think about it because you don't understand it. 
So as right. an adult, you have to go, wow, I really lucked out in these ways because the universe treated me like a white man. But in mm -hmm. other ways, under the surface, I never realized maybe we were dirt poor because of it. I never right. realized we have a family of alcoholics because of yes. it. Like, mm -hmm. yep. you don't think about it. Yes. Like, yeah, if that's the caste system that we're born into, you know, in, in, in the United States. So you benefited from being, uh, uh, you know, passing for the dominant caste while you had brown people in your family. I think that's the next a cultural reckoning for us because I remember driving through the Southwest and seeing reservations for the first time and it was like being in another country. And it was clear that everybody was just it pushed is. onto this land and it's like, you're on your own. So um, I think you're the next uh, Sashi Little Feather. You're going to be the next Native American <laughs> activist. <laughs> well, like I said, like, I mean, culturally, I also really sell as a white person. I mean, I'm in a blonde wig playing an auto harp. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But again, I never realized when I was creating Trixie, probably a big part of why this look was so idyllic to me is because she is Caucasian Americanized, basically a clown version of that. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. as a kid, especially... The rich white blonde families in our small towns were probably the richest with like the hottest parents, best cars, most money. I mean, you don't think about it when you're younger. Uh, but again, when I was younger, I had bigger fish to fry than, you know, the blonde girls in my class. Mm -hmm. 